Welcome back to Further Explanation, the Taylor Swift Podcast. There may be no further explanation by Taylor, but there will be from us. My name is Callie. And I'm Kaya. And we are the Swifty Sisters. Welcome to our 1989 Taylor's Version review and breakdown. It's been waiting for you. Not really. We're recording this like a week after the album came out. Let's just catch up on some current events that have happened. So, Kaya, I don't know if you saw... But 1989 TV outsold Midnight's in first week, pure album sales. 1989 TV outsold. <laughs> That's just crazy. I, that is weird. I mean, chalk that up to Taylor Mania. You can chalk that up to the five, six different variants of the album. I don't know. But it's I mean, just Midnight's absurd. Midnight's that, sort of. Yeah. Yeah, this just it's shows just that it's absurd. not slowed down since last year. It's only gotten bigger and become more of a threat. <laughs> she was at, I think it was 1.5 or 6 million. Do you think that she could get 2 million for TS11? I don't know. That's that's tall order. <laughs> I feel like if she wanted to, she could. So I'm really excited to record this episode because Kaya and I have not talked about this album. Thank you to everyone who waited for this episode and for being patient with us while Kaya has recovered from COVID. The good news about that delay is that we were able to spend a bit more time with the re-recording. I feel like when we recorded our Speak Now Taylor's Version episode, with The Vault in particular, we were like, don't have much to say. We just heard these songs. So I like that for this one, I feel like I actually have some thoughts formed that I'm excited to share with you guys. We're also going to go through the standard track list and share if each song was butchered, replicated well, or improved upon. And stick around for the end of the episode because we are going to share our current thoughts on all of the re-recordings so far in the format of like standard tracks, good, bad, vault, good, bad. So If you like critically kind commentary from OG fans who have been in Taylor's business and analyzing her lyrics since 2007, go ahead and subscribe. We would love to have you here. Okay, now before we get into the main course of this episode, before we get into the prime rib steak, let's have a little aperitif and discuss the original. What is that word? It's like a little drink that you have before your meal. It's like a, it's not a full cocktail. You know? It's crazy. <laughs> it's one of my favorite words. It just sounds pretty. It sounds like something Taylor would put in a song. Let's discuss the original 1989 album cover just very briefly because we didn't really talk about it in our 1989 album breakdown. She chose a Polaroid photo because it looked cooler than the digital shots that she had taken for the album shoot. But... The thing about the original 1989 album cover is the effortless cool that it gets. Like the shadow under her jawline, the fact that you only see her her classic red lipstick, you can't see the emotion on her face, so you don't know, you don't know the emotional uh, heartbeat of the album just by looking at the cover. It's a Polaroid, which 
unlike this cheap ass border that we got for all the re-recording covers, like an actual Polaroid photo. It's just the color palette is very muted. It's not really bright and in your face, which you would expect for a pop album. It's I just. You said that. I feel like we didn't really talk about it. If we did, I'll edit that. I out listened to whatever, like but... all our 99 episodes this week. <laughs> <laughs> which one was your favorite? I listened to them like in a row, so I don't really. They mm. kind of ran together. But I think we actually talked about that. And I thought on on the second episode I listened to, I think we started to talk about it again. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I just can't shut up about the cover, I guess. <laughs> I was like, we, I think we started both episodes saying the same thing. <laughs> That's so funny. Okay. Well, if you've already heard me say that before, <laughs> then my apologies. If you're new here and you haven't heard a previous episode, you're welcome. And the second thing I wanted to touch on was just the overall vibe of 1989. Because when we get the re-recordings and we get these vault tracks, these are songs that Taylor chose not to include on the album for one reason or another. Certain vaults have felt like they really fit into the album that we already know and love as it already exists. And certain vaults um, feel like, okay, maybe these were just too weak. They just don't quite match or whatever. And then some vaults give a different side of the story than what we got, and it feels very different. So to me, 1989 is a daytime album, and the vault tracks are kind of nighttime. Do you agree with that, Kaya? Mm, I don't know if I could classify it as a daytime album. The deluxe are definitely more nighttime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like there's a good chunk for both. Like it's a mix. The standard track is a mix of day and night. Yeah. But it's probably one of her more daytime albums. I think it's just to me because I was listening to Midnight's on vinyl the other night. And it was like just the perfect, obviously like Midnight's is a nighttime album. Yes, obvious. But it's just such a perfect, like it doesn't get too high up there energetically to where I feel like my brain needs to wind back down. For you know, okay, nighttime. But, but there could also be like a like eight p.m. album <laughs> that is very <laughs> up in energy. But a midnight album is different, you know. Yeah, yeah, very true, very true. But I was as I was listening to Midnight's on vinyl late at night. I was thinking I could never listen to 1989 at this time, like right before I'm gonna go to bed, on vinyl, like on a speaker in my living room, because it would just it's a bit too high octane plus all those just radio pop hits from 2014 that's just a <laughs> vibe for nighttime because that's like a song you hear in kmart or something <laughs> <laughs> okay so i am going to read the 1989 taylor's version album prologue so a reading from the book of taylor swift When I was 24, I sat in a backstage dressing room in London, buzzing with anticipation. My backup singers and bandmates gathered around me in a scattered circle. Scissors emerged, and I watched in the mirror as my locks of long, curly hair fell in piles on the floor. That's so funny that she said that, because she didn't have long, curly hair at that time. It was kind of curled, though, wasn't it? It was like, think of the Red Tour. Yeah. I mean, I guess it was curled, yeah, okay. She had already cut it. Like, it was already kind of, like, to her collarbone. Like, she had slowly cut it, and then she chopped it into a bob. Yeah. But 
Anyway, there I was in my plaid button-down shirt, grinning sheepishly as my tour mates and friends cheered on my haircut. The simple thing that everyone does. But I had a secret. For me, it was more than a change of hairstyle. When I was 24, I decided to completely reinvent myself. <laughs> How does a person reinvent herself, you ask? Hold in on, any way I, I could say that hmm. whenever you said the story that she told originally and then the story that she later told and now this is like a dramatic reenactment, reimagining of the story she later told. Like at first she was like, oh, it just kind of happened that they all kind of started to sound like 80s songs. And so it's like, maybe I'll make an album kind of thing. And then she's like, I decided on that night I was going to go home and change my life. And now she's like literally writing it like it's a chapter out of like a novel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so funny how she changes the telling of her own history, specifically in regards to like big changes that she made to her career and her life and her intentions. Um, and yeah. Yeah. And on one hand, it's like, I understand that if she was totally candid and blunt about the decision she made, mm-hmm. it would not have been received well. Yeah. Um, because you've already had success, young woman. Why do you want more? Mm-hmm. You should settle. You should be. That's enough. But and she's um, smart. The- she knows how to tweak the story and she knows what she knows how to play up to what is asked of her you know Mm -hmm. but on the other hand it's like what is the truth yeah you know i know that's the thing that kind of gets lost (laughs) yeah but right now she's at the peak she's ever been the highest peak she's ever been all her fans they love the shit they love the drama they love to know all this stuff so she's totally playing it up it's so funny because they don't actually know the version of it from she li- what was originally like we told. Say, Taylor's version is just her rewriting her own history. <laughs> yep. Okay. In any way I could think of, musically, geographically, aesthetically, behaviorally, motivationally. Yeah, those are the big ones. <laughs> and I did so joyfully. Oh my god. Let's talk about that for a second. When I saw those two words, especially motivationally, I was just like. Ooh. Behaviorally, motivationally. <laughs> That's crazy. Who even says those words anyways? I've never heard anyone say motivationally. <laughs> I changed motivationally. <laughs> but and, like, it's true. <laughs> and what I she's mean, saying there is she changed what motivates her. Like what, what drove is her driving your decision making changed. Yeah. And that's something Kai and I have talked about. Like Red was kind of the last like pure album that didn't have such a high awareness of of how it was going to be received and that that awareness that went into making the art Mm -hmm. speak Speak now Now was was really the last totally pure um but but red was the last one that was more pure than anything else yeah it's crazy that she herself said that because we've been saying that for so long The curiosity I had felt the first murmurs of while making red had amplified into a pulsing heartbeat of restlessness in my ears. She totally romanticizes it, too. Like, she doesn't even see any any way it could be. Maybe not that good. (laughs) Random excess memories. (laughs) The risks I took when I toyed with pop sounds and sensibilities on red, I wanted to push it further. The sense of freedom I felt when traveling to big, bustling cities, I wanted to live in one. The voices that had begun to shame me in new ways for dating like a normal young woman, I wanted to silence them. There's that control, Mm -hmm. that needing to control. I wanted to silence them. That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. I really do respect what she's saying here, though. She's like, 
why should I limit myself just because they want me to or just because it's it's easy to? She mm-hmm. wanted to be the biggest star in the world. She wanted to be the main pop girl. And on Red, she was like, oh, I'll get a little taste of it. Maybe that'll satisfy me. And she was like, why would I, why would I force myself to settle, you know? Mm-hmm. You see, in the years preceding this, I had become the target of slut-shaming, the intensity and relentlessness of which would be criticized and called out if it happened today. The jokes about my amount of boyfriends, the trivialization of my songwriting as if it were a predatory act of a boy-crazy psychopath, the media co-signing of this narrative, I had to make it stop because it was starting to really hurt. That, to me, is the genuine version of what she had just said before about, like, I wanted to silence them. That need for control comes from, it's like that same childhood wounds. Like in that 73 Questions with Vogue interview she did in like 2015 or 2016, I don't remember what they asked, but she said something about like, I still have my childhood insecurities. That feeling like she can't control how she's perceived and wanting to silence them because something's hurting her. With the fame and the success and the clout that she had at this time, that's like we said, it was a dangerous combination because it's like, well, you're not the underdog anymore you know but she had those insecurities and she felt like she was being victimized and she wanted to control it rather than just let it roll off her back or just continue to make art the way she had always made and i don't know uh shake it off (laughs) (laughs) it became clear to me that for me there was no such thing as casual dating or even having a male friend you platonically hung out with if i was seen with him It was assumed I was sleeping with him. And so I swore off hanging out with guys, dating, flirting, or anything that could be weaponized against me by a culture that claimed to believe in liberating women, but consistently treated me with the harsh moral codes of the Victorian era. It's so... It's a lot. (laughs) The way she wrote that. It's just, she's not... She is not moved on at all (laughs) and she's still wielding like this hurt that she felt in such a to say this in 10 years later (laughs) harsh victorian age that they reserved only for me (laughs) well okay (laughs) i i kind of disagree with you that i feel like she hasn't moved like i think she's moved on from it but i think uh, you forgive, you forget, but you never let it go. Uh, I bury hatchets, but I keep maps of where I put them. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, she's a songwriter. She's got to be very, she's got to hold on to but all this isn't a song. It's this all is material. just a personal statement. <laughs> no, I understand. But I just think that it's like, yes, Taylor, that did happen to you, but that happens to every young woman, and especially yeah, at that time. Woman. Yeah. Like that you weren't unique Yeah, in that experience. Okay. Anyway. Being a consummate optimist, I assumed I could fix this if I simply changed my behavior. Which is true. She did think that. (laughs) I swore off dating and decided to focus only on myself, my music, my growth, and my female friendships. If I only hung out with my female friends, people couldn't sensationalize or sexualize that, right? I would learn later on that people could and people would. (laughs) That's when she learned about gay people. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't even 
she had no not acknowledgement of that until that moment. <laughs> but none of that mattered then because I had a plan and I had a demeanor as trusting as a basket of golden retriever puppies. I had the keys to my... <laughs> what the hell are you talking about, girl? <laughs> I do not know what that means. Oh, my God. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Keys. Also, can I just say that she's... Yeah. The, okay, the PR of this is that she is currently in the most public relationship she's been in in a very long time. Since 1989, actually. And she's reframing the 1989 Taylor's version album to be, for the back, like the backbone of it or whatever, to be about her how the media handles her relationships. Which, interesting timing. That's all I'll mm. say about that. I had the keys to my own apartment in New York, and I had new melodies bursting from my imagination. I had Max Martin and Shellbeck, who were happy to help me explore this new sonic landscape I was enamored with. I had a new friend named Jack Antonoff, who had made some cool tracks in his apartment. I had the idea that the album would be called 1989, and we would reference big 80s synths and write sky-high choruses. I love that because that is very accurate to what 1989 was. I had sublime and explicable faith and I ran right toward it in high heels and a crop top. Mm -hmm. There was so much that I didn't know then. And looking back, I see what a good thing that was. This time of my life was marked by a right kind of naivete, a hunger for adventure, and a sense of freedom I hadn't tasted before. It turns out that the cocktail of naivete... I hate these I'm words naivety? that she's used. What the hell? It's one of those words that like fancy people use. Naivete. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you have to have a stick up your ass to say that word. Hey, you just used one of those. <laughs> what? The whatever French word you said. <laughs> Aperitif. <laughs> yes, are you kidding me? Uh, okay, touche. Hunger for adventure and freedom can lead to some nasty hangovers, metaphorically speaking. Of course, everyone had something to say, but they always will. I learned lessons, paid prices, and tried to, don't say it, don't say it, I'm sorry, I have to say it, shake it off. I'll always be so incredibly grateful for how you loved and embraced this album. You, who followed my zigzag creative choices and cheered on my risks and experiments. You, who heard the wink and humor in Blank Space, and maybe even empathized with the pain behind the satire. You, who saw the seeds of allyship and advocating for equality and welcome to New York. She's like you, who always knew that I wasn't Republican. <laughs> it's crazy. You, who knew that maybe a girl who surrounds herself with female friends in adulthood is making up for a lack of them in childhood, not starting a tyrannical hot girl cult. See, like, she's she's covering every point of criticism she received in the 1999 era, and she's defending herself still. <laughs> well, here's the thing, is, like, all of these things are true, but it's, like... Yes, you were hurt. Obviously, that's why you weren't blank space. Like you were trying to act, play cool and make it funny, but that's not who you are, and especially not who you were at that time. And that's what I'm saying. Yes, she's yes. She's... The girl squad came from. Uh, I can't be around men because they're gonna say that I'm sleeping with them, and I am really famous now. But like, and I now have I have to be friends, friends with Victoria's Secret models. <laughs> Like, that's all obvious, but it's just she's, interesting. She's harboring all these criticisms, and a lot of them are good faith criticisms. And she's saying, you were wrong. Because she's on top now, and she knows that nothing can really touch her. She's still choosing to defend herself, justify everything. 
You who saw that I reinvent myself for a million reasons and that one of them is to try my very best to entertain you. You who have had the grace to allow me the freedom to change. I was born in 1989, reinvented for the first time in 2014, and a part of me was reclaimed in 2023 with the re-release of this album I love so dearly. Never in my wildest dreams did I imagine the magic you would sprinkle on my life for so long. This moment is a reflection of the woods we've wandered through and all the love between us still glowing in the darkest dark. I present to you with gratitude and wild wonder my version of 1989, It's Been Waiting for You. Taylor. Well, ain't that something? Yeah. Any final thoughts on the prologue? It's been fascinating to watch. This This has been... I think, to me, when I think about 1989, like, if I was gonna write that prologue for the re-release of 1989, I don't think I would have talked about a lot of those things that she talked about. I think I would have talked about the switch to pop, the creative exploration. It would have centered more on the creativity, but, but that's not really all it was for her. So... I guess it makes sense that she talked about all this other stuff because it was she was very driven by all of those things at that time. Like that was the peak of her her um it did feel like she was like motivational compass being kind of thrown off. She's still trying to take jabs at all the people who criticized her. That's what like kind of screams at me when I read that. <laughs> it's just like, mm. oh girl, you are literally on top of the world. <laughs> just relax. <laughs> crazy that the song of this era is shake it off and she's like never shook anything off in her entire life so let's get into the track list the main track list of 1989 first track welcome to new york brian tedder returned for both of his songs on 1989 so welcome to new york and i know places welcome to new york Taylor's version to me kind of lost that like wide-eyed excitement and like euphoric energy that it had. This is kind of harsh criticism, but when I first heard it, these were my thoughts. She's singing like she wants the song to be over. Now, my opinion on that might change. I think I was in a bad mood when I was listening to this <laughs> the first time. I was a little bit having a thought of like, I hate the re-recordings. I hate that we're replacing all of these songs. <laughs> you but, literally texted me that when it came out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I was like, damn. <laughs> then I reminded myself like that the mentality that I have found peace with in the re-recording process is... These are not replacements. Just because a Taylor's yeah. version album comes out, that does not mean that you can't listen. And like, I already know that. Like, I'm, I'm not going to replace them. But when it comes out, sometimes I feel nervous. Like, oh, if I don't like this and then it's going to make me sad. It's like, it doesn't matter. It's fine. Whatever. Mm -hmm. You just have a new version of it to listen to. Mm -hmm. There can be good things and bad things in that new version. It's not a replacement. But Welcome to New York, I thought was... It's so interesting. The songs that have the original producer almost mm -hmm. seem like it, it's accurate. so hit and miss yeah yeah and i it wonder if it's because like when you have trying to replicate theirs yeah yeah so they have more like pressure to recreate exactly and it's easier sometimes to know like to recreate someone else versus to recreate your what your own self did yeah but yeah. i don't know it is kind of hit or miss so but welcome to your i don't feel like it was butchered like in the three categories that we'll categorize all of these into 
I don't feel like Welcome to New York was like perfect replication, but I don't feel like it was butchered. It was kind of like somewhere in the middle there. That's just kind of like meh. So next track, Blink Space. I don't know if this will surprise any of you. I don't know if this will surprise you, Kaya, but I actually think I prefer Blink Space Taylor's version over the original. Hmm. Taylor's version has a bit more like atmosphere to it. It feels a little less sparse and empty. And that's always been kind of the biggest thing that was blocking me from just like ever putting Blank Space on and listening to it and enjoying it. Like I was able to listen to it and hear it and hear all the sounds that I feel like in the original, I just kind of miss because they're so quiet. It just felt a bit amplified for me. So for me, I'll say a good recreation. Her vocals, it's so hard because you want her voice to do the exact same thing it did in the original. And it's just, it just can't. You can't copy paste that in that there way. There was auto tune on a lot of these though that really threw yeah. me off. It was very mm-hmm. odd. <laughs> I was listening to Wonderland last night and I heard some auto tune in some weird places and I was like, what the heck yeah. is this? Mm-hmm. Just weird. Feels unnecessary. Yeah, I like Blink Space TV. It's a Taylor's version that I will definitely revisit. Like, I'm not just going to never listen to this one again. Like, we are never ever getting back together, Taylor's version. I, nope. I don't think I've listened to that since it came out. and why would i okay next track style i feel like like the noticeably different when it first starts the guitar is not the same at all style is interesting for me though because while i also do not like the guitar there are other small different changes or maybe it's like just amplifications of things that are in the original like when she says i should just tell you to leave but i know exactly where it leads but i like that part she has these melodies that are going like but i and it just sounds i've liked that i was like oh this is fun so for me style to this version i understand why people don't like it i also don't really like that guitar but there are other things in this version of the song that i think are fun changes so when i want to just listen to style i'm going to play the original version of style but if I'm like going to 1989 Taylor's version to listen to the vault, I might listen to style Taylor's version too. Just because there are like, there are more echoes in the verses. The bass is really amplified and brought forward. Next track, Out of the Woods. I think Out of the Woods is a good replication. It's not butchered, but it's not improved. It's There's just- the one part where she says, I remember the, ah, and it's like auto-tune. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, you pointed that out to me and I can't unhear that. The last few choruses, I can hear individual harmonies, like layered harmonies, more than I want to. Like I want to just hear Taylor's main vocal, um, but I hear all these yeah. layered harmonies and it feels a I bit I feel like too, Jack's like, vocals were actually louder. <laughs> she did that also on another song. The layered vocals were too much and I couldn't hear... Oh, it was, it's in blank space when she sings the bridge and she says, boys only want love if it's torture. Yeah. It sounds like the tour, 1989 tour version where you can hear her adding all these harmonies onto it. And it's like, I don't need to hear all of that. level. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't like that. And she did that to Out of the Woods and I didn't care for that either. The Um, tracks are pretty good. Out of the Woods. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. All you had to do was stay Taylor's version. If you have listened to our 1989 album breakdown, you know that 
We are not the biggest fans of All You Had to Do Is Stay. I like the song Acoustic on Guitar best. Way better. She changed just very slight, slight things to the song. I couldn't tell you what they are because it does sound so close to the original. It's probably not that she changed them. It's just that they ended up sounding a little different on accident. (laughs) (laughs) I just like this version better. It doesn't annoy me as much. And I'm able to uh, hear it and almost hear it like I heard it when the album first came out in 2014. Like it it did that fun little thing that the re-recordings can sometimes do for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think this sounded, this to me is like exactly like the original, just bothers me less. Um, Shake it off. You can't, you can't do that twice. Especially with the horns. Mm. It's a very specific sound. Okay, track seven. My favorite track on 1989, I Wish You Would. This version of the song, the guitar at the beginning, is not as good. Similar problem that style has. But I do think, aside from that, it's a pretty faithful recreation. There is one weird spot that I noticed right at the end when she's doing yeah. the, uh, 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 yeah. I wish I wish I. It sounds like clipped or something. Yeah, it's weird. But overall, I think she did a really good job. I was honestly really afraid. It's so funny the ones that she like does really well and then the ones that kind of, you're like, have you even heard the original version of the song? <laughs> but um, I was really afraid that I wish she would, would get butchered, but it didn't. So I'm I'm happy with that. It doesn't have that like magic spark that the original has, but I think it's a good recreation, reinterpretation, whatever nothing you would say. Nothing offensive in it. <laughs> yeah, nothing offensive. Oh, I also want to say, in the vault, we got so many lyrics that tied back to I Wish You Would. Um, because they're and, all about Harry. <laughs> and we'll talk about that in just a second. But there are a lot of lyrics in the vault about like pacing down sidewalks and uh, waiting for he- headlights and car- like just so many lyrics that evoke imagery from I Wish You Would. And I could write a dissertation on why I Wish You Would is like the heartbeat of 1989. Getting the vault made me realize how 1989 could have been like a totally different album if she wasn't trying to control her image so much. Didn't want to make and- a red 2.0. I reordered the track list, and maybe I'll share that when we get to the end of the episode, if you can remember and I can remember. <laughs> Next track, Bad Blood, Taylor's version. I thought that was shit. It was good. And what did you think about the Kendrick remix of Bad Blood? I haven't even listened to that yet. Really? <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I've been a little busy. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. I'll listen to it. <laughs> I like that version. But next track, Wildest Dreams. Butchered. In my opinion. This is just another one that just like, kind of like shake it off. It just lost the good magic of the song. Like, I don't know. It just feels a bit more bland to me. I don't know. I felt like that way about the song since it got overplayed on radio. It was my favorite on like one of my first listens of the album. The 1999 mm-hmm. originally. And yeah, now same. it's just like, it takes like work for me to like, enjoy it as much as i did the first time you know yeah yeah i guess it's just so overplayed and it's like it's it's a very emotional song it's like 
trying to get you emotional with the violins and all this stuff. It's kind of like movie soundtrack tricks, you know, that sort of thing. And it just mm-hmm. kind of falls flat if, if it's become an overplayed pop song, you know. Um, How You Get the Girl. So, <laughs> again, if you have listened to our 1989 album breakdown, uh, you will know. Actually, well, I think I... Probably like 80% of our episodes, we mentioned it. <laughs> I actually think I might have cut this out of the episode when we were talking about 1989 because oh, okay. I tried to I tried to recreate the ringing sound and I was like when oh. I was editing and I was like that's annoying nobody wants nobody needs to hear that but um there's this ringing sound at the second half of the chorus and how you get the girl and it kind of like carries through the outro of the song but it's just like and oh. I hate that sound yeah that's not even a ringing sound it's like a weird sound effect i hate it and it yeah. really has always just made that song unlistenable for me yeah like no i don't like it but similar to me all you had to do is stay like the mm. the production is just so <laughs> mm-hmm. there's no way to describe it but if you know what i'm talking about yeah but how you get the girl taylor's version the ringing is a little pulled back so i just appreciated that but it's still the same song. So, uh, next track, this love. I this. think this love. Yeah, we've had this one. Same as Wildest Dreams. Um, I think this love is as good as it could have been for how perfect and gorgeous this song originally was. I think she did her best. For me, this love is such a perfect like '80s ballad it starts off so soft and it gets so big and it's so unique and to me it kind of gives 1989 dimension that it really really needs i think that taylor's version is that perfect replica she recreated it as best as she could it doesn't improve for me but just because i've listened to the song so many times i want it to sound exactly like the original sounds and it just yeah doesn't recording recording is like it's an art of its own you know Mm-hmm. To have a a recording is a moment in time, and it's just, I don't know. I feel like with everyone acting like Taylor's version replaces the old version, people are really underestimating, kind of disregarding the art of recording, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't really like that. And it's becoming mainstream. Like, so many people are like, I just completely don't care about the original recordings of these songs, and I think it matters. Mm-hmm. Like, why do you think Taylor wanted to buy her masters? Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, like, there's a reason that a sound engineer is a whole, like, that's a whole part of the process of making music. (laughs) It's, that's a whole person's career and creative contribution. You're a recording artist. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's called a record. (laughs) It's a record of a moment of time. I know places. Um, Obviously, this is the one that she changed the most, just in the most obviously, just because of that eye. She, like, put this little warp sound on it, and it's like, mm. <laughs> it's interesting. I don't really dislike it, but there she goes, changing things. <laughs> there she goes. <laughs> and it goes through the whole song. It's very clearly different. <laughs> clearly different. <laughs> For me, I know places is... I do love her scream when we run. But it does sound yes. different, but, like, she's screaming, so obviously it's not going to be the same scream. I, I prefer the original vocal performance, including the scream. Hmm. Interesting. 
I know places for me has always sat near the bottom half of my 1989 ranking. Not for the same reasons as most of the other songs in that bottom half. It's definitely like, in my opinion, better than a lot of the other songs down there, but it's just not over the years hasn't been one that I typically go back to a lot. But um, Taylor's version of it, I think her vocal performance, her vocal improvements over the years has really changed how I hear the song. So I actually really, really love I Know Places, Taylor's version. I've seen a lot of people being like, oh my god, I Know Places is so good. I'm like, yeah, it has been for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> but um, her voice is better. And, you know, she back then she was kind of doing that thing with her voice that was popular at the time. Cursive singing, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. There's just something very raw about her voice in the in the original version. So oh. clean. This one to me is like, yeah, sounds good. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, clean has never been my favorite. So I don't have like mm. intense like oh this little moment she should have been like this you know. The lyric in clean uh, made me think of a lyric in say don't go when I was first hearing it when she says. You're still all over me like a wine-stained dress I can't wear anymore. And in Say Don't Go, when she says, walk away and leave me bleeding, I felt like they were connected in my brain. Okay, the three deluxe tracks off of 1989, Wonderland. I have always loved Wonderland, but I feel like Taylor's version of it, specifically for the way that she sings uh, those verses when she does the, The way she sings it in Taylor's version is just scratches something in my brain. It just feels so much better. Like, it's like that cursive singing that she was trying then. It just works better now. Like, I don't know. Just the, it's a slight difference, but it just, it just feels so good in my ears when I'm listening to it. I just love it so much. Like, I think for me, Wonderland is improved simply from her vocal performance. This to me is one that I, will probably listen to more often than the original. Wow. I'm, honestly, I've only listened to, <laughs> to the Nineteen Nine Taylor's version, not the Dwell tracks, but like the original songs. Standard, yeah. I only listened yeah. to it like once. <laughs> mm. I'm just... So you're really prepared for this episode. <laughs> yeah, I just don't... Because I'm not going to listen to them. <laughs> Fair. You know? I'll probably listen to it a little bit more since it's new and I just kind of want to hear her takes on them more, but I just, Mm. it's not going to be something that I'm going to come back to. And that's the case for most Taylor's versions. What I have started doing is I'll make a playlist, 1989 Callie's version, and I'll go through and just add like Wonderland for me. So I said like, I'll listen to this more in that playlist. I would add the original and Mm -hmm. Taylor's version of Wonderland so that like, I can listen to whichever one I'm in the mood for that particular day, and I kind of have the choice. Gonna, I can't make a playlist like that because I'm not going to switch one out with the other, you know? I'm mm-hmm. always going to have the full other album and then maybe a few Taylor's versions that I'm willing to listen to. I also think that for the songs that I really, really like the most on the album, I'm way more likely to listen to their Taylor's versions just because it's like, oh, a different take on it, you know? Mm-hmm. But I guess it's yeah. kind of obvious because like, if I'm not listening to the original How You Get the Girl, why would I be listening to the Taylor's version? <laughs> Which is something that I think is so funny for people who are like, 
like I saw a lot of people posting I wish you would Taylor's version and they were like oh this is so good and I was like hello excuse me it's it has always been good when people do that because they're, they're just telling on themselves that they've not been paying attention <laughs> like yeah, you're not actually listening to the song if took the taylor's version of it like i understand updated no. technology like things might sound i've heard a lot of people say like but is updated it sounds... technology really what's gonna make you listen to a song <laughs> no like because the production does it can sound a bit more like crisp so i understand that but like it's not it, that different it's not like these it's songs were made in the 60s really listen to them in the first place yeah yeah you just didn't like that song be honest yeah you didn't give it the time of day <laughs> Okay, you are in love. I have a question for you because I feel like you will know this off the top of your head. When she says in the second verse, you fight. What does she say after that? You fight. Mm-hmm. You talk. It's and. Because that's what I always thought it was. I but guess. in Taylor's it's kind version, of one of those words where it's like, it's just like a noise and you can't really specify one or the other. You know? In Taylor's version, she says, you fight, then you talk. Is it like, you fight, then you talk? Or is it like, you fight, then you talk? It's, it's just like an then you sound. It's then. She and says then, think, like specifically, you can hear it? Yes. And let me pull up. I have the lyrics here. You talk. I always feel like it was just kind of a ambiguous end sound, you know? You fight, then you talk, is what it says. But does she and sound different? Booklet. Yeah. Like you heard it noticeably? Yes, and that's why I wrote it down, because I was like, I always thought the lyric was, end you talk. But mm, I guess she says, then you talk. You that's just one of those things, it's like, it's like in your subconscious mind, and you don't really pay attention until you just hear it for some reason. And you're like, wait, has it always been like that? <laughs> you know. I could go look right now at because I have my 1989 original, the I the vinyl here with me, so I could go look at it. I'm not going to because I don't want to get up. But I think um, I think the original might say then, but I always thought it was and. I feel so. like yeah, I don't know. I need to listen to it to hear if there's just like a actual like difference that I hear. Um. Okay. So, Kai, you know, in the in the pre-chorus of "You Are in Love." When it says no proof, one touch, but you felt enough right before it goes into whatever the chorus is and you knew what it was, he is in love. There's like a, it sounds like a tractor starting to me. It's like a, and I love it. I'll I'll need to go listen to that. (laughs) And it's much, it's much more present in Taylor's version than in the original. Mm -hmm. And I've just really enjoyed listening to You Are In Love, Taylor's version because of the addition of just that sound. Like, it makes me fall into the chorus in a really nice way. I feel like I know what you're talking about from the original version because I haven't listened to the new version enough to remember. But I think I... It's just much more present in Taylor's version. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that's nice. I like that. But I think You Are In Love is a really good replication to me. It's very faithful. The last non-vault track of 1989... New Romantics. I have here the original written lyrics of well, New Romantics. Can we first just mention the... <laughs> yes. Because why did that just slap me in the face when I heard it? <laughs> I literally tweeted the link to it. I was like, no way. I just heard what I just heard. 
You really tripped me up because I was texting you. So I listened to The Vault at midnight when 1989 came out. And then Friday morning, I listened to the original track list. And so I was texting Kaya and she was like telling me the differences and things that she had heard. And you said something about 19 or you said something about new romantics. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I just got there. And at first I didn't hear it. And I was like, wait, hold on. And then I had to like scrub back to that, that part of the song. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's the we're never everification of it. Mm-hmm. It sounds mm-hmm. like she's trying to pitch her vocals so that they sound younger, like how she was when she recorded it, and it just made her sound like she's singing with a bunch of kids. <laughs> it's not that bad, but why would I listen to that when I can listen to the better one? <laughs> That's mm-hmm. all I'll say. <laughs> um, okay, so I have the original lyrics of New Romantics here. Instead of we need love, she had we say we want love what we really want is danger and then she had we team up then break up like a record changer but she switched it obviously to we switch sides like a record changer the biggest change is the bridge she says so take my hand and we'll both stand inside a burning building (laughs) not perfect maybe i'm a shit show but i'm fun (laughs) and kind of cute and willing Affections. Maybe I'm a shit show, but I'm fun and kind of cute. Maybe I could be the anti-hero. You could be my perfect villain. We'll be a raging go around. What? We'll be the perfect storm. A raging go around chasing perfect storms. It's a little random. (laughs) She loves a perfect storm reference. Sorry, her little catchphrases. Leave me cold, then keep me warm. Fall in love, then go to war. That's what new romance is for. Interesting. It's just, it feels much more descriptive of a specific experience rather than. Yeah. 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 And I'm really glad she changed it. The anti hero lyric, though, just blew my mind. That is crazy. Maybe. I could be the anti-hero or so she has maybe I'm the anti-hero and then she changed it to I could be the anti-hero you could be my perfect villain we'll go around chasing storms leave me cold then keep me warm fall in love then go to war that's what new romance is for that's kind of cool yeah fall in love then go to war she's interesting because we're about to go into the vault tracks, but there's just so many lyrics in the vault that tie into so many other lyrics on the original album. I think it's in Slut when she says, the sticks and stones they throw froze midair. That's literally, baby, I could build a castle out of all the bricks they threw at me, mm-hmm. you know? And then the rumors are terrible and cruel, but honey, most of them are true. Is just so 1989 vault coded, like in so many ways that I can't even really pick one. And it's so funny because in the prologue, she's like, everyone was making rumors about me and it hurt my feelings. And then in the song, she's like, hee hee. <laughs> like, oh my God. Now we're into the vault tracks. Love these vault tracks. I was very impressed. Yeah. I think the thing that struck me the most was that... 
okay, two things. They all kind of have, besides my least favorite, they all kind of have. <laughs> Which um, is? That, um, say don't go. Mm. They all kind of have that, um, I wish you would, out of the woods, they will grow on you feeling. Question, you know? Mm-hmm. And they, oh, and oh, so related to that, related to that, they sound midnight Production-wise, meandering lyrics-wise, 1990 was doing a lot of succinct, like, song pop structures. And these are very midnight-y as to where they just seem like she's just talking and just rambling on and didn't leave out anything, you know? Which she mm-hmm. wasn't doing that in the 1990 era. She was clearly, based on those extra lyrics, she was writing a little bit that way, but she never kept a song that way, you know? Mm, yeah. Um, she made me think of something. I just lost it. Oh, I think it was about, yeah, it was about Midnight's. It sounded Midnight's-y. Um, it does. The production, very Midnight's-y. And obviously that's saying that she, they did the production now, recently, you know, and they didn't keep whatever that's, they had or. That's so or interesting to me because. they didn't have that much at all, you know. Yeah, well, for um, now that we don't talk, she said in her yeah. voice memo that they couldn't get the production right of that song the first time around when they were making the album. But I saw people, like, when this album first came out last week, I saw people say, oh, it's it sounds just like Midnight. She literally just went and wrote these. Like, this is, there's no way she was doing this in 2014. It's like, I don't think you understand how the vault works. Like, she's not just pulling them out of the vault and saying, here you go. She pulls them out of the vault and remakes them essentially like they're not yeah. like have you heard don't you do you think that she just had that no but that's that's the thing like she is updating them and changing them based on modern day sounds and productions and stuff which that's her choice i just don't i don't know i like these better i think this way i think if she had kept them how they were i probably would have liked them less because I like Midnight's way more than I like 1989. Mm-hmm. So I think that it actually was a service for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's just because I like Midnight's better. I didn't like that she changed Fearless to sound like it could be on like a mix between, I don't even know, like a folklore pop song almost. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember when she covered Will You Used to Love Me Tomorrow by Carol King? Yeah. It sounded like that. I feel like the production of The Vault. I agree with you that it does sound midnightsy, but it also to me like in our 1989 album breakdown we talked about how 1989 production wise was much less 80s than she let on, and I think it's because she probably was making a lot of 80s sounding stuff with Jack, but not all of that made the album. It ended up being a Max Martin album, so I think both things are true. I think these songs did sound sort of how they sound now. Like the vault songs, I think they probably were that more like 80s, midnightsy sound. It's more 80s to me than midnights is. I think that obviously they were updated and reproduced for in present day. So like, yeah, they're going to sound a bit more midnights. But to me, the vault is like, she basically left off all the songs that revealed the deeper, more intense, unresolved feelings. Anything that would make it feel like a breakup album, she took it off basically. The original 1989 songs tell less what happened and more how Taylor felt about it like after the fact with some Mm -hmm. distance. 
And the vault kind of fills in those missing pieces of what happened that made Taylor feel the way she did. And those more intense, honest, candid, not filtered emotions about it. 1989 puts the listener at arm's length from Taylor so that she can become a more untouchable artist and it kind of keeps her from being put out there for criticism about writing about her personal life because her mm-hmm. personal life at the time she was trying to like rebrand to and I just have girlfriends and feminism and yeah. I my life is about my friends and feeding with other women <laughs> and it actually made me think of this Jimmy Kimmel interview that Taylor did promo 1989 which I put this clip on our Instagram page a few weeks ago, but the quote he reads is from, I think, a Rolling Stone review of 1989. And it says, 1989 marks her most impressive sleight of hand yet, shifting the focus away from her past and onto her music, which is as smart and confident as it's ever been. And that is exactly what she was going for. And that's why The Vault is The Vault, and it was not put onto the album. Because if those songs had made the cut, 1989 would have been more about who she was writing about and oh taylor's so heartbroken she's always fallen in love poor me instead of like oh taylor's pop now and she made some incredible pop music and like Mm -hmm. i don't know if this would have been called the pop bible if it had if the vault had been on the album and because it just would have been received in a totally different way and also with the like the vault doesn't sound like 1989 no it doesn't because she wanted to make an album full of pop hits and Jack Antonoff wasn't a pop hit making producer at that time. So it makes sense. Aside from just the lyrical narrative of these songs, it makes sense why they sound so different because she went with Max Martin for the album. He co-produced the album with her. And but I don't think they sounded like this. I'm not, I'm not saying they did. <laughs> Originally. Mm. I mean, I'm sure they sounded similar. They're just very updated and changed but taylor was so hell-bent on sonic cohesiveness at this time and so she only had jack on two songs on the original album right out of the woods and i wish you would i think that's all he did she wanted that sonic cohesiveness having more jack songs more of that maybe interesting or weird or like more immediately 80s like channeling sounds just wouldn't have fit for what she was going for because she wanted to make something that people would like on the radio. And that wasn't really popular at that time. And she said that in interviews. I'm not chasing trends with 1989. I'm doing something different. Mm-hmm. Well, you did a little bit, but you didn't like go full force with it, you know? Talk about slut? <laughs> yes. And before we get into the lyrics of it, though, so slut was supposed to be the single from the vault. Right? So, like, that was the digital and single she, she had on her to, store. Is it over now? Because That's the fans were streaming it to me. more. And within a matter of like two days, she was like, oh, change it, change it. <laughs> and I wonder why, like, do, do you think she filmed a music video for Slut and then we're just never going to see that? Oh, God. I don't think so. No. I don't think she would change the single like that if she had filmed a music video for it. Mm-hmm. But I wonder why I she think, didn't and, already like, film a music it's video. It's partially though. based on. Like, basically TikTok, too, because I've heard, apparently, Is It Over Now? And uh, Now That We Don't Talk are getting a lot of traction on TikTok. Is yeah. It Over Now is my favorite vault song, though, so I can't really... Well, I guess, I yeah, I will complain, because I don't <laughs> want my favorite vault song to be the one that's overplayed, but whatever. <laughs> so, in Taylor's voice memos, she said that she thought of 1989 as a New York album, and Slut is very California, and that's probably part of the reason 
why it didn't make the album. And she said it's also partly because she kind of chose blank space over this one. That's crazy. Yeah. They're so different. <laughs> yeah. And I think I think some people took that or maybe misinterpreted what she said there because I don't think for her it was literally like slut or blank space. I think she preferred blank space and I think that was always going to make the cut. Like I don't think it was really like, hmm, slut or blank space. Hmm, who could it be? Well, she said she chose slut over blank or she chose blank space over slut. She was probably trying to pick. She wanted one big single on the album that addressed her whatever. So that's why she was choosing between them two. So just the way she says it, I don't think for her, like she says, I chose blank space. And so I had to make tough decisions. I don't necessarily think it was like blank space or slut. It was probably a decision she made early on is what I think that means. Yeah. Um, It wasn't like last minute. I guess I got to keep blank space and cut slut. Like she wrote them both and she's like, well, blank space is the stronger one. So she Mm -hmm. chose that. Let's just take a minute to laugh at ourselves because in our vault predictions episode, we were like, you're stupid if you think Slut is going to be a sad song. And it ended up being this love song. This like well, yeah, dreamy. Yeah, it's a love song, but it's not the saddest song she's ever written. No, 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 no obviously Which not. Which is what but, we were making fun of. But it definitely was not at all what we were expecting. Like when you hit play on Slut, is that what you thought you were going to hear? Mm. Nowhere close to what I... I feel like I've been primed from Midnight's to expect more of this type of vibe. But mm-hmm. if you told me in 2014 a song called Slut in all caps as an mark, I'd probably be like, it's going to be like a Bad Blood 2.0, <laughs> you know? Let's go, let's do a lyrical analysis and like actually look at the song. So she starts, Flamingo Pink, Sunrise Boulevard, Clink, Clink, Being This Young Is Art. <laughs> and I just wanted to call it this lyric parallel where she says, Being This Young Is Art. In New Romantics, we're so young, but we're on the road to ruin. Just wanted to call that up. Aquamarine, Moonlit Swimming Pool, What If All I Need Is You. I love the way she sings clink, clink. I love these lyrics. I love this. This is my second favorite vault song. Mm. It's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Taylor, <laughs> let's just give you a round of applause. <laughs> I know I give you, you shit, but you're such a good songwriter. <laughs> so good. Oh my god. <laughs> The pre-chorus, got love struck, went straight to my head, got love sick all over my bed. Love, Like, I, I can't even just say it. I have to, like, it's sing so it. It's so good. It's so good. Okay, so what is she saying here? What is she saying here? The first verse, she's giving these descriptors. She's kind of setting the tone and the atmosphere. To me, this screams, like, we're staying at hotels and we are hiding. It's a bit like, I know places, Flamingo Pink, Sunrise Boulevard. What um, do you think got love sick all over my bed means? Because it could mean so many different things. First of all, love that lyric so much. Yeah. Like, I want to tattoo that on my body. It's so good. <laughs> got love It is sick. one of those kind of, it feels midnight type of lyric that she's like weird visuals and like mm. unexpected connections, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe sexual innuendos. I don't. I don't really know if it's sexual or not. I feel like it is, but it could also not be. <laughs> I think to me, when I first heard it, it didn't evoke anything sexual. Um, to me, I just thought like, like sad, crying, like lovesick, like physically sick with love. And it's because it's hard because she's writing I've about this love say, that's not easy. But it also sounds like what you do in all bed over alone. The bed. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, <laughs> I've heard the sexual innuendo. I've heard that she like threw up. I like, got sick, and she's mm-hmm. kind of like a pun, like love sick, you know. Which reminds me of hits different. Threw up on the street, and and then just being sad, like how you just said, like wallowing in her bed or whatever. But like, I don't know. It could be either one. <laughs> that's and I think that's part of what makes that such a good lyric is because mm-hmm. there's it's not just one clear thing. You kind no, of it's everyone... not just like like you know those throwaway euphemisms you can use a million times mm-hmm. and over and over that you mm-hmm. hear all the time. It's so smart to like, tweak it and make it something you've never heard before, and you don't even mm. know exactly what it means. Like in False God, the altar is my hips. So we all know what's going on there. Okay. Yeah. That's Although that was still a little bit. Of, it wasn't as – she still tweaked it a little bit. Yeah. But this yeah. is like make a totally new reference that no one's heard before, which is Yeah. Fun. Got love struck, went straight to my head, got lipstick all over my bed. Love to think you'll never forget handprints in wet cement. Adorned with smoke on my clothes – Love Lauren and nobody knows. Love thorns all over this rose. I'll pay the price. You won't. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> that to me is... That's the social commentary in this song. Fucking politics and gender roles and you're not sure and I don't mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. That's what that is yep, to me. Yep, I'll yep. pay the price. You won't. That lyric had been in my head all morning for some reason, by the way. Politics and gender roles. And- <laughs> That's funny. That. Yeah, I'll pay the price. You won't. Let's talk about what that means it means she's the woman so whatever they do whatever the lovesick business is <laughs> she's going to be the one who gets the heat for it and he won't mm-hmm. we've seen time and time again that happen yeah and she's i mean let's talk more specifically about who this is about we all know these songs are about harry styles like that's no secret i'll pay the price you won't he was in a boy band at the time and Guys and boy bands get to be promiscuous and they get to act, they get I mean, asked about who they're dating general. and it's well, yes yes of course but like in particular in this situation like in what she's writing about in her experience Harry he obviously it's cool when he's dating somebody it's not oh he's he was girl crazy or <laughs> yeah. yeah um this the oh, there's so many things I want to say about this song oh my god the pre-chorus is that got love struck all the way to i'll pay the price you want and then the chorus is but if i'm all dressed up they might as well be looking at us and if they call me a slut you know it might be worth it for once and if i'm gonna be drunk i might as well be drunk in love it's so funny that this song we were like social commentary she's gonna be letting out her rage at the system and she's like I like you so much. Maybe they can call me a slut and I'll be okay with it. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. She really did pull a little bit of a bait and switch with the title because it's just like, slut. Yeah, that's going to be a social commentary song. And this has it a little bit, but that's not really where she was at the time. She was, you know, this is more reflective of how she really felt. So, mm-hmm. And I, I, saw, like I saw someone say, and I wrote it down in here, this is not my thoughts. I'm quoting somebody. But I saw somebody say, the song being titled Slut makes you think that it's going to be some kind of salacious expose or like an empowerment anthem when she never wanted any of that. All she ever did to earn that moniker was fall in love. And so that's what the song is about. The title being Slut gives you a different perception than what's actually in the song and what she's actually feeling and why that's the title. Like I kind of like that that is the title because it's sort of... Um, it's one of the more interesting aspects of the song to make it like unique from other love songs yeah and it 
mirrors that like perception of the song slut and then what it's actually about she's just in love and trying to work it out with somebody mm-hmm. but what was perceived of her at the time was how is what her like 10th boyfriend oh my god all she does is date she's a slut like whatever but all she was doing was trying to date this guy yeah and, and there just is happened to be a- in a boy band yeah, there is a part in the bridge where she yells, and it's exactly like the title, which I think was necessary to be able to justify the title, you know. So verse two, send the code, he's waiting there, the sticks and stones they throw froze midair. Everyone wants him, that was my crime. Everybody wants you, everybody wonders what it should be like to love you. Walk back with Okay, anyway, sorry. <laughs> I need you to explain this lyric to me. The wrong place at the right time. It's another one of her little phrases she likes to throw in. And she flipped it. Wrong place at the wrong time. Or the right place at the right time. The wrong place at the right time. So, what does that mean in the context of this situation? I haven't really read these lyrics enough to really let me think. As you're thinking about that, I'll touch on the beginning of this verse so she says send the code he's waiting there so it the song starts with flamingo pink sunrise boulevard moonlit swimming pool so i think send the code he's waiting there is like um oh okay he's at this hotel i'm gonna go meet him like they had to hide especially this is just what i have gathered from this relationship you know these are not facts but um they had to hide at the beginning of the relationship and then it was a struggle trying to hide after the fact after they were public but send the code he's waiting there so it's like okay we're gonna go meet up the sticks and stones they throw for his mayor so she's saying maybe they found out about this but it's not hurting me right now it's not affecting me i'm okay um i don't know i think it could either be i've been thinking about this lyric for a week like the wrong place at the right time i know i have been thinking about it too when i hear it i'm like what does she mean by that is that that just like the wrong place being the wrong place meaning they were the they were the yeah it was like it wasn't going to work out sort of thing. Um, but the right time, it's like they both... The wrong situation to be able to have a relationship. Mm. And the right time, I think she's maybe... I mean, it could be like she's looking back on it and she's like like happy of what happy with what it was maybe. Mm-hmm. Like we both needed to go through that or something. Yeah. Maybe. The In a world of boys, he's a gentleman. I know, that's one of the most, like, this was written in 2014 lyrics, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I hate that. So I really hate that lyric. Because I I, th- I think we've said this on the podcast before, but why is it that boys, you get to attribute all of men's bad behavior and abuse to boys, to children, mm-hmm. and then, but, but he's a man. Like, what? Yeah. No. <laughs> it's just men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's so funny if you think about, like, in a world of boys, he's a gentleman, to then boys only want love if it's torture. Don't say I didn't warn you. Um, like, he wasn't a gentleman, for one. And it's just it's just a weird lyric. I don't know. I saw somebody yeah, say, was he a gentleman or was he just British? <laughs> she, yeah, because after that, she was like, British boys are where it's at. <laughs> <laughs> really? Um, okay, same pre-chorus but she changes except. that last line we'll yeah. pay the price i guess um so in this one instead of saying i'll pay the price you won't she's saying we'll pay the price i guess so i think for her it's like okay we're gonna actually try so whatever happens to me happens to you too like now this isn't just a me and you this isn't us thing yeah. and that's kind of 
the, I guess at the end of that sort of and uh, uh, uh love to think you'll never forget mm-hmm. that's new too yeah it's just like I love to think that you'll remember me forever <laughs> mm-hmm. and I love the in the second chorus when she does these echoes but if I'm all dressed up I'm all dressed up mm-hmm. yeah it's so good and then chorus. we get to the bridge where she says, half asleep. To me, that's half moon eyes. Bad surprise. Did you realize? Yeah, it's very similar. See, the writing is, is very similar. Very similar. Half asleep, taking your time in the tangerine, neon light. This is luxury. You you know what they're doing there. That's yeah. half awake. Oh, you're not saying you're in love with me, but you're going to. Hearing this that lyric, crazy. <laughs> hearing that lyric, and then hearing her say, "What is it? Say don't go." I don't. All these lyrics are just tossing around in my head. They're not necessarily yeah, like yeah. attached to songs yet. But yeah. um, she says, "I say I love you. You say nothing back." Oof, that's hard. You're not saying you love me, but you're going to. You say nothing back. Half awake. I wonder if they ever did, or who ever did. I feel like he probably did when he came back. Like, all you had to do was stay, like... Now you say you love me. (laughs) Half awake, taking your chance, it's a big mistake. I said it might blow up in your pretty face. I'm not saying do it anyway, but you're going to. But then in the parentheses, she does say do it anyway. (laughs) As a background lyric. Yes, yes, oh my god. That's so funny. So we know the first... The bass. This is another thing that is very midnight. Is that pulsing mm-hmm. low bass mm-hmm. carrying the song, and it feels very like, almost like maroon, you know, because mm-hmm. it's just like you're riding this wave of this low bass, and I love that so much. And I love the slot. Yeah. Boom, 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 Drunk. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. So good. Best outro. So good. So good. I wanted to talk about that. Taking your chance is a big mistake. I said it might blow up in your pretty face. This to me. The lyric in Wonderland where she says, didn't they tell us don't rush into things? I think the people telling them these things were like Taylor's management, Taylor's team, his management, like the whoever was managing One Direction. They're like, maybe don't like be in a relationship. Simon Cowell. <laughs> well, was he the person that would be saying that? I don't know. But no, um, funny, it's a big mistake. Didn't they tell us don't rush into things? Like, I think they both knew and understood with where their careers were at that time that it was not going to work out well, but they were both like, no, it's worth it. Like, we we want to do this. So I'm not saying do it anyway, but you're going to. Definitely recontextualize that lyric in Wonderland for me. And just her voice in this song is so, like, sultry. And yeah, it gives me, like, style nighttime vibes, like driving down the coast, like, by a body of water, like, going into, like, a it really, glowing neon pink motel. It really doesn't give me anything that's on 1989 that much it just feels midnightsy to me it does sound very midnights but to me it also sounds very 80s um yeah but midnights has a lot of scent it's just i don't know it's like midnights 80s it's 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 to me it's what i wanted 1989 to sound like in the first place like instead of that like these are like big 80s sounding slow jams and like it's just but this wasn't being done then this is very modern interpretation of 80s this just wouldn't have been made back then 
maybe not in this way, but I, I mean, I do not think she is changing these songs that much. This production is so Midnight's. Or it's so 1989. Oh my god. Kaya, 1989 came first. Yeah, so we know what it sounds like. <laughs> Agree to disagree. You think it's a coincidence? <laughs> Say Don't Go. When I first was listening to this song, I did not like it. When I first was listening, I wrote lots of questions she wants to ask that man. And then I said, I just know this production would have been so annoying in 2014. Yeah. It's it's tolerable now because it has the modern sound to it. It sounds mm -hmm. like it's been revamped. But I this is my least favorite of all song. It sounds the most like it could be on 1989 out of all the, these tracks, which is says something if you know how I feel about 1989. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. I do like this song. I think just from what you've said, Kai, I think I probably like it more than you do. But it's definitely like what I wrote when I was first listening to it. I said... I didn't like this song four minutes ago, but it's ending now, and I think I love this one. See, that's how music is supposed to go. Because just that ending, the outro of it makes the song for me, truthfully. Yeah. Um, I like the, why you have to. Yes, yes. nothing back. That's my favorite part. Yeah. But, but I don't like the, it's like a slow pre-chorus, and then the chorus kicks in, and it's supposed to, it's supposed to be different, but and it's just it just doesn't hit the way it should. Mm -hmm. Why you have to leave me on? Why you have to do? Like, this is very 1989. <laughs> but the outro, when she says, well, Genius is saying this is a post chorus, but when she says, say, say, don't, don't go, I would mm -hmm. say forever if you, but then she goes, but you won't, but you won't, but you won't. I would she say forever if you. She uses it as a pre chorus and a post chorus. Oh, so good. That's my favorite part of the song. But let's start from the top. I also love her voice in this verse. The low verses. I've known it from the very start. We're a shot in the darkest dark. Oh no, oh no, I'm unarmed. The waiting is a sadness, fading into madness. We both went mad. Oh no, oh no, it won't stop. And then this genius is saying is a refrain. I'm standing on a tightrope alone. I hold my breath a little bit longer, halfway at the door, but it won't close. I'm holding out hope for you too. And then pre-chorus, say don't go. I would stay forever if you say don't go. I would love to hear this if it was made in the 80s. It would sound very like an 80s pop ballad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, um, uh, what's it? What's it? What's it? What's it? We belong together. Reminds me of that. We mm -hmm. belong to the light. We belong mm -hmm. to the dawn. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like these lyrics, I'm standing on a tire up alone. Even some of the lyrics in this song just don't quite. No. I don't know, it's just a little lackluster. Yeah. Especially compared to the other Vault songs. Yeah, it definitely feels like the one that, like if I was going to guess, what song do you think was the closest to making it onto 1989 from the Vault? I would say Say Don't Go. Yep. Yep. And I think what's the song she changed the least, she updated the least, would be Say Don't Go. And partially that probably has to do with the fact that there was that woman who co-wrote it with her. Diane Warren, I think. Yeah. yeah, who wrote so many big songs in like the 80s, 90s, and early thousands. So if I could turn back time, share. Yeah, and then, um, oh shoot, what's that song? It's, I'm blanking. Blank spacing. Because <laughs> you're spacing too, that's funny. Now I'm pacing on shaky ground, which is very much giving Are We Out of the Woods yet. 
-hmm. strike a match, then you blow it out, which to me made me think of I struck a match and blew your mind, but I didn't mean it. Because you kiss me and it stops time and I'm yours, but you're not mine. Oh no, oh no, you're not there. And then a different refrain, I'm standing on the sidewalk alone. I wait for you to drive by. I'm trying to see the cards that you won't show. I'm about to fold unless you say don't go. Yeah, there's just no, there's no lyrics here that really stand out to me. It feels a bit, I don't want to say generic, but like a I mean, little. It is. And there's a lot of lyrics that to me feel like, like she's just using these turns of phrases that mm-hmm. are all just kind of stacked on top of each other. And it, why'd you no, have to like, lead me off? Why'd you have to twist the knife? Walk away and let me bleed. Why'd you? You know, like that's just not. And then this, I'm standing on a tightrope alone. I hold my breath a little bit longer. Like, these things are never revisited as, like, and it just feels yeah. weird. Halfway out the door, yeah. but it won't close. Is she halfway out the door, or is he halfway out the door? Another thing, too, that I, back to the, I think that a lot of the vaults were, have a Midnight's Fields with them and were revamped, is the lyrics are just very unique and very, so different from 1989 lyrics. Because that's another problem I have with 1989 album is that the lyrics are all very short, not all, but Mm -hmm. mostly, Mm -hmm. kind of um, short to the point and very succinct pop structure and just don't have a lot as as much depth as Red, Speak Now, any of the previous albums or the recent albums, well, besides Lover. (laughs) I was like, you know, (laughs) there's one. Yeah. Yeah. Do yeah. I have to even say it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't and, feel recent to me. It feels like so far away because of all the albums that have been in between. But yeah. yeah. So the um, lyrics here feel more like 1989 lyrics. The why'd you have to whisper in the dark just to leave me in the night is another question lyric. And she says, did you leave her house in the middle of the night? Did mm-hmm. you wish you put up more of a fight? And the now your silence has me screaming is clean. I screamed so loud, yeah. but no one heard a thing. Mm-hmm. So just lots of ties to other lyrics, which I love. On the lyrical content of 1989, my friend Jamie on Twitter said that she feels like the songwriting from the 1989 vault helps bridge the songwriting from red to reputation. Because what we got mm-hmm. on 1989 was so like filtered down and shortened and like just concise pop lyrics. And the vault kind of shows that lyrical bridge where she was as a writer from Red 1989 and then on to Reputation, which I thought was really interesting. The writing on Reputation is so unique and so specific to Reputation. It's very fascinating because the more albums she puts out, the more I'm just like, I want to revisit that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, And it's where I feel like she says why you have to, not wide. Yeah, that's that's what I heard when I first listened. Yeah, me either. Which I kind of like. I do too. Next track, Now That We Don't Talk. I fucking love this shit. So Now That We Don't Talk, Taylor said that she wrote this towards the end of the process but couldn't get the production right at the time. The rhythmic melody and the cadence of the song reminds me so much of I Wish You Would. Like, oh, they do similar things to my brain. But, it's interesting that she chose to reveal the production thing. Mm-hmm. She's not told us anything about yeah. stuff like that with any vault songs. She's tight-lipped on that, mm-hmm. which is another thing that's a little suspicious. <laughs> God, I love this song. So 
You went to a party. I heard from everybody. You part the crowd like the Red Sea. Don't even get me started. Love how just conversational that is. Don't even get me started. Did you get anxious, though, on the way home? I guess I'll never, ever know now that we don't talk. So the structure of this song is so interesting. So it's verse one and then verse two. You grew your hair long. You got new icons. And from the outside, it looks like you're trying lives on. I miss the old ways. You didn't have to change, but I guess I don't have a say now that we don't talk. Okay, so where do we even start? Did you get anxious, though, on the way home? So this person is... When you, Did you get anxious, though? <laughs> because it's like when, when someone's not in your life anymore, you know... Because there's like the version of us that we project and show the world, and then there's the private, intimate version of us that we show our close friends, people we're dating, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so it's like, I heard from everybody that you went to this party. Uh, you part the crowd like the Ritz, you don't even get me started. Like, yeah, you were the life of the party, whatever she's saying there along those lines. But did you get anxious on the way home? I guess I don't know anymore because we're not talking. I'm not getting that other side of you. And nobody else knows that about you. Which is just, I also just, just love the though. I love that she said though. Just a lot of the wording here is interesting. And from the outside, it looks like you're trying lives on. I don't know. It's hard for me to speak to this because I don't really know what Harry Styles is doing at this time. Well, he grew his hair long. <laughs> That's You know that. When he had that long hair. Yeah. He looked very different. He was like growing out of his little boy band image and was trying to kind of reinvent himself, I guess. If you want to give him that credit. <laughs> mm -hmm. Taking a page out of Taylor's book. So yeah, I think that works. That sounds right to me. And then if you think about now, I mean, he's changed a lot. Yeah. Since then. So it could just, it could also be a little bit of the, that seeping into this song. Mm -hmm. the perspective she's had since then i wouldn't be surprised what did you think she means by you got new icons because is that just like the people you you look up to have changed like who you're idolizing and who you're modeling yourself after are different um i don't know what, i don't think i don't think from the outside i guess I okay genius says you grew your hair long you got new icons so you're changing your appearance you're changing who you look up to, who you're modeling your appearance and yourself after. So then she says, I call my mom. She said that it was the best. Remind myself, the more I gave, you'd want me less. That's a crazy lyric. That's one of the most offensive. Like, that's one of the most skating, criminalizing <laughs> things that she's written about him. The more I gave, you'd want me less. Why'd you that's have to just... go and lock me out when I let you in? That's criminal. I cannot be your friend, so I pay the price of what I lost and what it cost now that we don't I talk. love that part. I don't know what her voice, and it's just like the way she just rhymes very two perfect little rhymes right there. I don't know why it works so well. Mm -hmm. like, I pay the price of what I lost and what, what it costs. Cost. It's so good. And then it's so now good. that we don't talk. Because it's like a, it, the whole chorus, our mom's is for the best. Myself the more I gave, you want me less. That's an A B A B. Mm -hmm. I can't be your friend, so I pay the price of what. Be your friend. It kind of rhymes with the less and and best too. Be your friend, so it's B. Mm -hmm. Pay the price of what I lost. A and what it cost. A. I like that. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. It's just like really satisfying to hear. Yeah. And then, now that we don't talk, <laughs> it's just good. <laughs> It's, it's, just it's good. interesting pop. It's interesting pop. Midnight's is interesting mm -hmm. pop. That's why it's another connection. And 1999, a little bit boring pop. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, and then the, she says, I cannot be your friend. I just yeah. want to call that out because I'm going to touch on that a little bit later in the episode with some other lyrics. So just keep that in your brains. As she goes to the chorus and then she goes to the bridge. What do you tell your friends we share dinners long weekends with? Truth is, I can't pretend it's platonic. It's just ended. And I love such this. a weird bridge. <laughs> love the platonic. It's just ended. So <laughs> that to me is like <laughs> it's just ended. So come <laughs> You look like you were in a Phineas and Ferb episode. <laughs> I I would give anything for her to do a music video to this song. Like I want to see her looking at the camera and narrating this and just like going yes. through things. That's the thing I'm lacking with these vault songs. I want her to acknowledge them, you know? Yeah. I mean, she'll sing it on the Ayers tour. But it's still. just ended so... Oh, my God. I die. So I, I die. It's so good. It's just very conversational. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. ended. So I call mm-hmm. my mom. She said to get off my chest. It's ju- It has just ended, so... <laughs> um, and it makes me think of that video of... I think it was, like, 2015 when they were in that, like, hotel lobby together. And he walked in. You could tell she did not want to be there. She was, like, on her phone doing anything she could to not look at him. She was like, we are not even friends. Don't try to talk to me. <laughs> Outro. I don't have to pretend I like acid rock or that I'd like to be on a mega yacht. And that's so funny because his solo album that he was probably about to start dreaming up mm-hmm. was totally inspired by acid rock and like 70s psychedelic rock. I love how she loved all these scathing songs. Like, I bet you think about me. And now that we know talk, let those in the vault. Like, just be honest. Say it with your whole chest. Put it on the standard edition. But like, let us hear she this, She put bad please. blood on there. She wasn't afraid to flame up Katy Perry. <laughs> or like, or I'd, I'd like to be on a mega yacht. With important men who think important thoughts. You know what's so funny is like, I am not a Harry Styles stan. That's not the vibe I get from his friend group, but that's so but funny. I remember around this time, I feel like I was always seeing pictures of him on boats. Constantly on boats with like skinny model women, Kendall Jenner, like on oh, a boat, on a boat, yeah, on a boat. Totally. Boat That's club. So another boat club. <laughs> boat model. Another boat model. Important men, yachts, models. <laughs> Guess maybe I'm better off now that we don't talk. You know what's so funny? This is what I said when I heard these songs. She was probably so pissed when she heard the song Boyfriends on his recent album. Because he's, like, lamenting about, oh, I understand, girls. Boyfriends are so awful. He's literally the boyfriend in question. <laughs> I wish you guys could see, but he's the boyfriend I, in just... question. <laughs> he's the guy in question. That's so funny. Oh, my God. No notes, Kaya. No notes. That's hilarious. <laughs> Boyfriends, are they just pretending? What have you told me? <laughs> it's just a question. <laughs> and the oh, only way funny. back to my dignity was to turn into a shrouded mystery, just like I had been when you were I chasing love me. The way she sings this, only way back to my dignity, turn into a shrouded mystery. <laughs> we're like that. It's so- we're like that. I know from Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Why is it so good? <laughs> this is the thing. Like this is the pop music that I love from Taylor. I love when she's weird. I love when she's conversational in her lyrics. 
I love like just was the did it do it shouted Mr. V it has this little quality of 2000s girly weird pop that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, just like I had been when you were chasing me. Guess this is how it has to be now that we don't talk. talk. And it ends. <laughs> so good. The so. only bad thing about the song is that it's too short. Why did this have to be her shortest song ever? This? Is it actually her shortest ever? Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, Lover is so long. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing is she picked it's her up- her longest modern album. She picked up that pen and wrote 10 extra minutes of All Too Well, but you couldn't write like another verse of this or something. And another in it, in it, in it, e. <laughs> just more just one more verse. How long is it? It's Live? two minutes and 27 seconds. I it love that she's so calling stupid. her mom and her mom's like, get it off your chest. And she's like, no, I think I'll hold it back and then write a song in 2022 with all the questions that I never asked him. Um, Listen to your mother's. I thought they were saying, I thought she was saying her mom was like, just talk to me, get it off your chest. Probably. That's interesting, though. That's okay. that's just what my brain took of that. Um, it's Mormon Legends. I am much still to say. not quite sure what to make of this song, to be honest. Okay, so I feel like I am understanding. I feel like it's okay. it's clicking. I, I saw mean, a tweet that was like, Suburban Legends, what are you talking about? Because <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You're just saying words. Okay, so Suburban Legends... You had people who, and this is another song that she just immediately, she starts it and she's into it. Like, there's no intro. And 1989 is a very intro-heavy album. Starts it immediately. No, no lead-in. You had people who called you on unmarked numbers in my peripheral vision. I let it slide like a hose on a slippery plastic summer. All was quickly forgiven. What do you mean slide like a hose? (laughs) I think what she's saying there is like a water hose that you put on a slippery slide that you just, it's like, I just let it slide. I don't like that lyric. She's so weird. <laughs> but it but it kind of fits with the imagery of Suburban Legend, so I'll let it slide. Like a what? You were so magnetic, it was almost obnoxious. Flush with a currency of cool. Love that line. I was always turning out my empty pockets. And when it came to you. Turning out your what? (laughs) (laughs) What was that? Oh my God. That lyric about the currency of cool though, uh, makes me think of, I guess it's true that love was all you wanted because you're giving it away like it's extra change. Hoping it will end up in his pocket, but he leaves you out like a penny in the rain because it's not his price to pay. I'll pay the price you won't. Why is cool as you kind of a better version of these? <laughs> that was tied together with a smile. You know what I mean. Sh- Wait. Shame. Just oh, that. stop. I had a mishap. <laughs> I have COVID. <laughs> I have COVID brain. <laughs> Quickly forgiven, Kaya. And then she goes into the chorus. I didn't come here to make friends. We were born to be suburban legends. When you hold me, it holds me together. And you kiss me in a way that's going to screw me up forever. Amazing lyric. Love that lyric. Um, so let's talk about what she means by suburban legends. 
I didn't come here to make friends. So she's saying, I don't need another friend in the industry. That's similar to the lyric that I just called out in, what was it? Now that we don't talk, I can't pretend it's platonic. I can't be your friend. I didn't come here to make friends. Like we're either in this relationship or we just don't have to interact with each other. So when I first heard this, what my interpretation of this was, everyone knew about them dating. It was a very popular, big topic at the time. We were born to be suburban legends. So like the idea of us will be the fact that people ride for Haler even to this day. Like we were born to be suburban legends. We're going to be talked about in households. That's what I took from this. So I had the fantasy that maybe our mismatched star signs would surprise the whole school when I ended up back at our class reunion, walking in with you. You'd be more than a chapter in my old diaries with the pages ripped out. I'm standing in a 1950s gymnasium and I can still see you now. I like that lyric. I think it's like, if you think of small town suburbia, I think the suburban legends also kind of ties into that. And like, we would just work and it would work out. I had this idea that we would surprise the whole school and we'd still be together and we'd be like the suburban legend of these two people who made it work despite all their differences and despite the adversity standing in their way of making that relationship work. Um, you'd be more than a chapter mild diary. So like not just someone I wrote about at one time. Are you sure it was about Harry? Yes. Like the whole song? Yeah. I mean, I think it's about a lot of different things. I think it's about the relationship, but it's also about like who they were in their careers at that time. Like... That I didn't come here to make friends. I think she's talking about a lot of different things. I know that you still remember we were born to be national treasures. When you told me we'd get back together and you kissed me in a way that's going to screw me up forever. In Prince of Wet Cement, like I know you still remember. And then, oh my God, like every lyric that she's written about him talks about like, I remember. <laughs> it's very deliberately confusing. <laughs> we were born to be national treasures. So... She's saying we were both born to be, I think it's kind of just like that whole. That's an obvious reference to the fact that they're both huge stars. <laughs> Something that I have always thought, I would say pre-Midnight's, like pre-hearing question, what I've always thought about their relationship is like, they were both so big at the time. They also, like Taylor hadn't released 1989. She hadn't really been appreciated for her art as a serious artist still in a boy band mm -hmm. um they were together at a time it was like before they were would go on to have their legacies yeah so i think it's like this isn't gonna work we were born to be suburban legends like we were built to fall apart essentially we were born to be national treasures we both have things to do and accomplish that's bigger than the relationship that's bigger than making this last like the sacrifice isn't worth the cost mm-hmm that's kind of what I take from that. I love the outro. Mm -hmm. Tick tock on the clock. I paced down your block. I broke my own heart because you were too polite to do it. Let's talk about that. I broke my own heart because you were too polite to do it. Because he's so nice. He doesn't want to. Because he's a gentleman. He's such a nice guy. Because he's British. So a lot of my situationships and relationships when I was in high school remind me a lot of Taylor and Harry's relationship and the times in my life that I had to break my own heart because someone else was 
too polite to do it. Like, that's not actually being polite. That's not actually being kind. It's also immature, too, which makes sense why you relate to that. Because high school boys. <laughs> and he was, what, what like 19 at the time? Exactly. Yeah. Um, waves crash on the shore. I dash to the door. You don't knock anymore and my whole life's ruined. That lyric, my whole life's ruined, makes me think of I wake up screaming from dreaming. One day I'll watch as you're leaving and life will lose all its meaning. Yeah. But she's hearing waves crashing and thinking that he's knocking. And she's like, oh, no, he's he's not there. And I just love this. It's crash to the shore. Like when she repeats oh, yeah. that. I, I love when she does that. Door. You don't knock mm. anymore. And it always. And then she stretches that at. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so good. good. This song, too, because it's so confusing, it's one that I can listen to over and over again, and I'm like, I'm still trying to understand mm-hmm. it, and so it's not getting yeah. old. This is what I wrote in our notes for this song of, she's saying, I didn't come here to make friends to Harry. Like, if you don't want me, we don't need to be friends. It's just over. Okay, so last fault track on 1989, Is It Over Now? My favorite. What's your favorite? I have been unable to pick favorites. Because these vault tracks have all been so good, and it's honestly been like I've, and I've gotten to a whole dig into yes, and it's honestly been like I've gotten like a mini album, and so it's like I just needed to process. I can't really pick favorites, but you can probably guess from just me hearing me talk about these that like uh, now that we don't talk, is it over now? And slut are my favorites. Mm. Is it over now? Is my favorite, and slut is my second favorite. Those are my two. I think it's so frustrating because I think now that we don't talk would easily be my favorite if it wasn't so fucking short. Hmm. So upsetting. I just wanted to call out the lyric in Is It Over Now where she says, and say the one thing I've been wanting is so I wish you would. Coded. I don't know what that intro is at the beginning, but apparently according to Genius, she's saying, is it, is it, is it, is it? Mm-hmm. So many questions for this man. <laughs> I saw a Tumblr post that listed, like, all of the questions and all of the songs she's written from, like, Out of the Woods all the way to Question, and it's, like, so many. That's so... Did you leave your ass in the moment? Did you wish you put more about it? <laughs> so, once the flight had flown... Uh-huh. Uh-huh. With the... <laughs> I love this. With the wilt... With the wilt... Of the, of the rose. rose. Uh-huh. This is so 80s. I slept all alone. You still wouldn't go. That, to me, evokes... Struggled through the what night. roses... Yes, which is so funny because do you remember when we all thought that that's what this album was going to be called? Yeah. I wonder if that was like the code name for it that they used to like keep mm. it private, you know? Maybe. Like Woodvale for Evermore, whatever, like, you know? I slept all that alone. So- it makes me think of tossing, turning, struggled through the night with someone new. And then so she goes verse, pre-chorus. I like how it's slow and then it's bam. <laughs> Let's fast forward to 300, take out coffees later. I see your profile and your smile and unsuspecting waiters. You dream of my mouth before it called you a lying traitor. You search in every maiden's bed for something greater. Baby, was it over? So good. So good. So good. She's really just like flexing her rant skills. She has just perfected the crazy ranting, never-ending lyrics. She's just like, okay, this hit this point, hit this point, hit this point, and guess what? Once this point is over, now I'm going taking you to this point. <laughs> it's so good. That's what kills me about everyone freaking out over like ranting bridges. It's like I like when it's the whole song, like honestly, because she's getting so good at that. Because she didn't used to do that until really midnights, and now she's just like 
free reign and it's so fun because you never know where the song's going and it never feels overplayed you can listen to it over and over again and you're like oh mm-hmm. let's break down what she's saying here so once the flight had flown with the wilt of the rose i slept all alone you still wouldn't go so she's just saying um like what's the height of it is over um are we out of the woods yet when you're kind of after the fact of that question wondering and you're just kind of like what's left Let's fest forward to 300 takeout coffees later. I see your profile oh, such a cute lyric. and your smile and unsuspecting waiters. So she's just seen him everywhere, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. And you dream of my mouth before it called you a lion trader. That lyric? You dream of my mouth? What's the other lyric in the vault where she says, come here, I whispered. Oh, it's in this song, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that already. I'm telling you, like, I, I, I just... These all these lyrics are just like swirling around in my brain. They're not like attached to their. Yeah, but it's only like a few lyrics later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You dream of my mouth before it called you a line traitor. You search in every maiden's bed for something greater. Baby. Why maiden? That's such a weird thing to say, but it's so funny. I think it's because she wanted that intentional change from maiden to model. With the like, you've got new icons. You're trying lives on, like, kind of just becoming a bit of a douche. And maiden is such a funny word, though. It is, yeah. Maiden. Yeah, yeah. But I think she wanted to show that change of like maiden to model. I like that she's using such a weird word. (laughs) That's all I have to say. Was it over when she laid down on your couch? Was it over when he unbuttoned my blouse? Come here, I whispered in your ear, in your dream as you passed out. Baby, was it over then? And is it over now? (sighs) Love it, love it, love it. It's just, these are all questions. It's so good. It's, you know what? It's exactly what I... Was it over when you cheated? Was it over when I cheated? (laughs) But that's the, like... Was it over when you dreamed about me? And is it over now? It's so good. It's like the lyric and style you've been out about with some other girls. I've been there too a few times. Like, the thing is, like, that's the sucky thing about a situationship and this was such an intense situationship for her because it's like we weren't exclusive but it was like you're sleeping with other people i'm sleeping with other people but i only want to be sleeping with you but you don't want to only want to be sleeping with me you actually want to be doing this this to me just fills in so much on 1989 Mm -hmm. like if i could pick one song to put on the original track list from the vault to make the album feel a bit more whole narratively i would Mm -hmm. pick this song and I just love the chorus. It's very storytelling. Mm-hmm. Like, was it over when you did this? Was it over when I did this? Or when he did this to me? And then I just love the to go from, was it over? So was it over then? And is it over now? Like, is it even over now? Mm-hmm. It's, so, it's just so good. Yeah. It's And it's, again, like, I wish you would. I wish you would come back. Wish I'd never hung up the phone like I did. Mm-hmm. I wish you knew that. I miss you too much to be mad anymore. It's very similar. Like, Mm-hmm. I wish you right here, right now. It's all good, but I wish you would, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very similar to that song. Was it over then? Is it over now? Mm-hmm. Like, she's not saying, it's over now. But she's saying, and is it over now? Not, it's over now. She's not ending it, you know? Like, she's still asking him, when you lost control, uh-huh, red blood, white snow, blue dress on a boat, your new girl That's crazy. is my clone. That's another crazy line. Blue dress on a boat. We all know the photo, the famous photo of her sitting on the back of a boat and just with her 
just like with her arms crossed, like so sad. Like <laughs> she was in her maiden era there. She just looks so. Oh my god, she looks so scorned and like so sad, like left behind. It's a crazy photo. And the fact that she's she, I know for a fact she's seen the tweets because there's a viral tweet about that photo like every year. <laughs> it's like I cannot believe this happened. This is crazy, and it's just a photo of her. So funny how that like people weren't there for that like what do you mean you you're seeing that on twitter now and you're learning about it after that like you weren't there you didn't see these you weren't there (laughs) it's crazy to me yeah and then she referenced it in a song that's crazy i feel like there's i don't know i could see that being a lyric that she added recently Mm -hmm. um your new girl is my clone that's a crazy thing to say about another human being (laughs) that you don't even know you're my clone yeah, but I I mean it's it's more about him than her. Like your new girl's my clone. To her, you yeah, you're but- only going to think that about someone when you feel like like for Taylor, she thought that he wanted her just did not. But I think he was just kind of like wishy-washy, didn't know what he wanted, whatever. But for Taylor, it's like you're choosing me and other people because you don't want to commit to me, you know? Yeah. We've all been there. It's an immature thought but it's hilarious. And then from the verse two, she goes straight into the bridge. Oh my God, the bridge is amazing. What the, what the hell? What? Oh my God. And did you think I didn't see you? There were flashing lights. At least I had the decency to keep it, it, my like nights. A, you know, there's like a buildup right here. It's so good. Like there's, it's, almost, it's sim- very similar to August bridge here mm. because it's the, let me start a little bit, a few lines, and then, and then it's like now we're really in it, you know. Mm-hmm. And it repeats, and that's a very Augusty thing. The only thing is, this song is kind of all like that. You know? So what she's saying here is, I saw you out with other people. At least I had the decency to hide what I was doing, so you didn't have yeah. to see that and not flaunt it all over the tabloids. Yeah, yeah. But it's a little unfair because it's like he's not flaunting it he's just is that really what the the makes you upset is that really the difference no it's not but the flash it's funny though it's a cheat it's intentionally cheeky lyric yes but the flashing lights flashing lights and we Mm -hmm. and then all of i know places i love the oh lord that that to me gives like she does it oh god damn my pain fits in the palm of your freezing hand like Mm -hmm, it's it's mm -hmm, so good mm -hmm, mm -hmm. my favorite song ever um off of, I love how she says too, off of very tall somethings. Yeah, I know. That's such a unique way to say that. I love mm-hmm. it. Just to see you come running and say the one thing I've been wanting. But no. It's <laughs> it's so sad to think about how desperate she was for his attention that she like to to be so strung out. I'm literally going to jump off a building. <laughs> She's so dramatic and I love it because like oh, same. And I think for Taylor, like, if you think about the relationships that she'd had right before Harry, like, they were all very much things were happening to her because they were older men. And Harry was a relationship where she felt like it was a bit more equal, like, things weren't just happening to her, but she was actively participating in the mess of the relationship. And to say, I think about jumping off a very tall somethings, like, that toxicity from that, like needing to show pain to get someone's attention that like learned behavior is interesting it's just very um very revealing of where she was at and i don't know i just i love 
It's so good. I'm sad for why we have re-recordings, why they exist, but I'm grateful that we've gotten all these extra stories that we never would have heard otherwise. So then she says, let's fast forward to 300 awkward blind dates later. So they're moving on. If she's got blue eyes, I will surmise that you'll probably date her. I love that. If she's got blue eyes, I will surmise that you'll probably date her. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. And then the same line, you dream of my mouth before it called you a line traitor. You search in every model's bed. Model's bed. Mm -hmm. Which is such a direct call out because people have talked about it this time and time again. He literally dates supermodels exclusively almost <laughs> it makes the her bringing kendall and being friends with kendall jenner at this time and bringing kendall out for style on the 1989 tour like that's crazy and taylor was searching in every model's friendship for something <laughs> they kind of have a similar problem actually and so the chorus is the same and then i love the like those mm-hmm. yelling. It just sounds so desperate and so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then she goes back into the bridge, but it's like stripped away. Did you think it didn't see their flashing lights? And then the boom, boom, boom of the drums. Mm-hmm. God. Smack me in the face with those drums. <laughs> oh, and then the outro. Oh, Lord, I think about. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Just all these ad libs that are so thing. 1989. I've been wanting, but no. And Genius so here is saying that. It ends on was it, was it, was it, was it. Mm. So that's interesting. So is it? And then was it? Okay. I love I love that part about the song that it's uh, was it over then and is it over now? Like the past and present tense of that in one song is so interesting to me. It is. Mm-hmm. God, it's so good. Okay, guys. Well, that's the that 1989 concludes. vault. How does the vault impact 1989? adds to the depth of what she was experiencing in her relationships she was trying to make it a not a breakup album very distinctly all of the vault songs are about the breakup of her her and harry Mm -hmm. this is the 1989 i would have wanted like sonically there's some weirdness to it so Mm. like it's it's weird and i like it 1989 was written with an awareness of how she was perceived but the vault has no perception of how these songs would be received by the public. She's just sharing her feelings as she's feeling them. And she's not gone from self-awareness to self-deprecation yet, as Kaya has said in many episodes. Like, she's hasn't made that jump, which to me makes me think that these songs were written before most of 1989. But in that voice note, she said that Now That We Don't Talk was written like at the end of writing process for 1989 which i find very interesting so i think to me it just speaks to the fact that that change from self-awareness to self-deprecation was not just like a oh i've grown and i'm this is how i view myself now it's it was like a conscious choice and a conscious effort for her which we kind of knew but it's just interesting to have a bit more proof of that with these songs Let's finish off with going through all of the re-recordings and saying, like, Fearless Standard of the re-recordings. Like, Fearless Standard, good, Fearless Fault, whatever. So, to me, the Fearless Standard, perfect replication. Like, practically perfect. Fearless Fault, underwhelming, not really Fearless songs. Mostly debut writing session songs. What about you? It was standard. It made me emotional just to hear 
because they were so she was so young when she wrote Fearless, so it had more of an emotional impact. I think it was a good start, a good mm-hmm. album to choose to start the the re recordings with because it had that, but I can't really speak on because I'm not listening to it very much. There were some vocal things that I didn't like that she changed, but obviously it's going to be different. Um, Vault, same. Similar to you. Red Standard, to me, was... Messy. Very mixed bag. The Red Vault, incredibly strong. Incredible. Amazing. Amazing. 10 out of 10. Experience. The Red Vault was basically like a whole other red album like you got the pop songs you got the more country stuff like it was and it's just it's so funny how she included better man and babe and all those songs on the red vault and now she's like putting sweeter than fiction on one thing and then bad blood is just released and it's like why can't you just put it all in one (laughs) like you did with red a speak now standard to me that was underwhelming it was okay. I mean, I really don't have very strong opinions. The Speak Now Vault? Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty better than Fearless, not a nearly close to Red or 1989. Mm-hmm. Yes, agreed. 1989 standard. Close. I think it was close. I really am just like, meh. Uh, 1989 Vault, amazing, perfect, never been done before. Um, Not as good as Red, in my opinion. But I just like Red more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it probably has to do with that. But some really great songs. So good. I think in like six months to a year's time, like looking forward in the future when I rank 1989 and I include the vault tracks, I think a lot of the vault will be. They're already up there for me. Yeah. I haven't ranked them yet. I'm scared too. I'm not ready. I'm not there yet. But And I think we should also rank rank all the vault songs at some point. Yes. Yes. I think we should do that. The 1989 vault made me really, really excited for the reputation vault like i be i want to know are there things that we it's gonna be crazy can't even to conceptualize can't even wonder would be in that vault like what did she write about that we have no idea that she's gonna tell us like it's just crazy and it feels like she at this point she's not really touching reputation with a 10-foot pole right now i feel like like it just feels very in the discarded phase you know mm-hmm. and so and but it feels so just like yesterday, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's starting to feel more and more dated. Yeah. So it's just very interesting. It'll be so interesting to hear what she does with that. I'm kind of hoping we're going to get more songs like Ready For It, Look What You Made Me Do, more iterations of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I don't know. I just wonder, like, what could it be? Would it be more personal stuff that she didn't yeah, feel? You can, there's two types of songs she could do on this for the, for the rep vault. But I also feel like there's other options of things that we just don't even know yet. We can't even... That didn't fit into yeah, the Yeah, like Suburban Legends, that's not something I would have even expected her to be writing like that. And But, you know. Yeah. So, Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Further Explanation. I know there are lots of podcasts you could spend your time with, and we are so grateful that you've spent your time with us. If you are not already, please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. The episodes that we have planned for the end of the year are the 1989 tour review episode. We have a Dear Reader episode coming that is in a similar vein to our She is Midnight Rain episode. So if you've listened to that one and you like those more, I don't even know how I would describe that episode. Very, uh, like I wrote a dissertation. Yeah, focused on a specific thought, not necessarily like we're talking about this album, we're talking about this song. And we'll have more of those episodes coming up 
and then we have a special holiday episode for you guys. Um, we're going to take a break for the holidays, but we will pre-record our holiday episode so that that will go out in December and you guys will get that then. If you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, we would really, really appreciate it. Specifically for anyone who's listening on Apple Podcasts, it helps us a lot. We would love you forever. So you should go do that. Thank you again for listening. We will talk to you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.